Hello everyone and welcome to um, Housefeld's fourth collective cast. I'm joined today by our managing partner Anthony Mayton and by Leslie Hanna and Luke Stretfield, both partners in our competition group and leading on Housefeld's fourth opt-out collective claim that was filed earlier this month in the Competition Appeal Tribunal. The case is against Apple on behalf of a class of consumers of apps from the Apple App Store. And we're going to talk um, a little bit in this podcast about exactly what this claim is about. So the first question to you, Leslie, what, what is this claim about in a nutshell? Well, I think anyone who's followed um, the press coverage of sort of the big tech corporates will know that Apple has been um, attracting a degree of regulatory scrutiny for some time now in relation to the commission that it levies in its app store. Um, and so, you know, people who have iPhones and iPads will know that when they are um, when they're buying apps in Apple's app store, um, that those purchases attract a 30% commission um, by Apple. And so the claim is a claim on behalf of iPhone and iPad users who have purchased paid for apps or digital subscriptions or made purchases within apps. So that might be if you're uh, if you're gaming, for example, you might be buying V-Bucks in Fortnite, you might be buying weapons upgrades in another game. All of those purchases attract a 30% commission, which goes directly to Apple. Um, and so um, we are bringing a claim on behalf of those users um, against Apple in respect of that commission, saying both that that commission level is excessive um, and unfair, but also that Apple forecloses um, the app store and app distribution market um, and also the associated market for payment processing services. Okay, so that sounds good. And who's leading the claim? Who's the class representative? So our class representative is um, Dr. Rachel Kent. She is a lecturer at King's College in London um, in digital economy and society education. Um, she also has a background in consumer welfare and consumer protection. She um, used to work at the Consumer Association Resolver, um, where they'd be involved in resolving consumer disputes against large corporates. Um, she's also the first female class representative in a capped collective claim, so um, we're delighted to be instructed by her. Yeah, okay. A good, a good first. And you talked a bit about the um, the consumer detriment, Leslie. But how how many class members are there in the class? How widespread is the consumer detriment? Well, as you'll know, Apple has a very large share of the smartphone market. So um, it's around sort of forty five percent of the smartphone market. Um, and so there are around nineteen point six million. Um, people in the group. So that is iPhone and iPad users, because of course you could have an iPad, um, but you might own an Android phone um, and so make purchases within um, Apple's App Store. Okay, uh, I'm with you. And I I mean, one, one question that I think immediately springs to mind is how does this fit with um, the disputes that are ongoing between Epic and Apple? Because they've been quite 
high profile. I've seen quite a few headlines about about those cases. That's true. So Epic is um, very publicly um, in a dispute with both Apple and Google about App Store fees. So it's filed claims in both the US, Australia and in the UK. Um, what's really interesting is that Epic is not um, asserting that it suffers loss as a result of the 30% commission levied by Apple. In fact, what Epic says is that it would be able to offer its games cheaper um, to its customers, so to um, people who want to play um, Fortnite or some of other some other of Epic's um, leading games, if it wasn't forced to charge this 30% commission um, to its users. So um, I think it's it's pretty clear that the consumers have a have a strong um, case against Apple, um, and that um, they are the ones who are um, bearing the brunt of the 30% commission. Mm -hmm. And how does and how does our claim fit alongside Epic's claims? They will one have to wait for the other to resolve, or what? How does that impact on timetable? Well, the um, the Epic claims brought in the UK um, were filed last year, or I think perhaps even the end of 2019 in the Competition Appeal Tribunal. Um, and only the case against Google will go forward because the case against Apple was dismissed on jurisdictional grounds. Um, and therefore, there's no there's no overlap um, in the UK. We're um, bringing a claim on behalf of users of the UK version of the App Store. And so we anticipate that um, the users of the UK version of the App Store will predominantly be based in the UK and therefore there's no overlap with um, litigation in other jurisdictions. Yeah, okay, I'm with you. And so Luke, Leslie mentioned um, uh, regulatory activity here. Is this something that the CMA is looking at domestically or the Commission? Yes, there has been a huge amount of regulatory scrutiny about this issue. And it's not just the CMA, which is looking at issues that relate to the App Store generally. And their investigation started in March this year, um, but also the European Commission, which received a complaint from Spotify in 2019 and recently issued a statement of objections and that's focused on the music streaming market because that was the substance of Spotify's complaint. But it essentially reaches a preliminary view that exactly the issues that are at the heart of Dr. Kent's case, the fact that competition has been excluded in the App Store and the prices are too high, affect the music streaming market as uh, it is alleged they affect the whole of the App Store in, in, in Dr. Kent's case. Um, it isn't uh, restricted to the CMA and the Commission. I mean, the Dutch authorities are looking at this and globally there's a huge amount of scrutiny in the US that's being reviewed, in Australia, in South Korea. And so this really is a global issue at the moment from a regulatory perspective. Yeah, OK, that's that's really interesting. And just in terms of the, the wider um, private enforcement landscape, this is obviously a you know, a really big um, standalone opt-out class action against one of the um, GAFA companies. Is this sort of, you know, is this going to be one of many standalone claims on this on this type of basis? Is this where the, the sort of the cat regime is going, do you think? Well, I think 
What is very interesting is seeing how the word standalone is interpreted in this era when it comes to these group actions, because yes, you're right, this is a standalone action. But as we were discussing, there is a huge amount of regulatory scrutiny and the Commission has already reached a preliminary view that there's been harm to competition in certain aspects of the app stores business. Mm -hmm. And there will definitely be other regulatory decisions. So although this claim is standalone, it's going in parallel to a lot of regulatory scrutiny. Now, what we're seeing with collectors more generally is that some are pure standalones, but there's no regulatory interest. Some like this are parallel. It's a standalone case, but there is regulatory activity at the same time. Others are kind of a hybrid where there has been regulatory activity, but perhaps in another area. An example there is the BT case um, mm -hmm. by um, uh, Justin Patarell recently, where there was an Ofcom review in 2017 that reached uh, a, a, an agreement, voluntary commitments from BT, but that is the basis for the claim, which is a standalone claim, but nevertheless it relies on and draws very heavily from a regulatory finding in a parallel area. Mm -hmm. So. I think what we're going to see, particularly with the big tech companies that are attracting a lot of regulatory scrutiny, is a lot of that hybrid kind of activity where perhaps finding of facts from related regulatory proceedings or parallel standalone alongside regulatory activity is going to happen. Um, but certainly what we are going to see is a lot of activity in this area. Can I just add to that, Lisa, because I do think this is a seminal moment in the development of, of antitrust. I mean, there's been a lot of hesitancy, first of all, amongst regulators, and then I think on the private enforcement side in going against the GAFA, um, and that is now happening. I mean, particularly in the United States, where the re regulators have been very, very resistant, and suddenly the penny seems to have dropped, and the penny also seems to have dropped with the class action bar mm -hmm. at the same time and you're starting to see these actions. And I do think I've been banging on this back for a while. This is a bit like going back to Theodore Roosevelt and the, and the turn of the, the end of the 19th and beginning of the 20th century, when you know suddenly people realised that these big, big antitrust companies had to be busted. And, and here, people are now realising that these companies are not acting in the consumer's best interests. They've been very clever about, in fact, acting very much in their own interests. Mm -hmm. um, and now people are rightly starting to, to go after them. And I think this is going to be absolutely where the landscape of, of antitrust litigation is in the next 10 years. Yeah, yes, I, 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 I understand that totally. And I I mean, particularly in, in this instance, but in, in others too, concerning other big tech companies, it is effectively sort of monopoly capitalism. Um, yeah, giving themselves a sort of... They've given themselves a sort of title of being innovators and being people who bring new products to consumers. And actually, as time goes on, I think what we're seeing is that they are stifling innovation um, in markets by their anti-competitive behaviour. And they're creating business structures that mean there is no consumer choice and that consumers are locked into an ecosystem where those companies are reserving all of the sort of side markets within that ecosystem to themselves um, and seeing massive revenue flows from that conduct. And I think until we see um, more regulatory action and um, more private damages claims to tackle that conduct, I don't think we'll see an end to that. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, it's interesting to, to think about, isn't it, how this case fits into that that wider 
landscape and no doubt there'll be um you know further further big standalone cases against such companies to i think we can confidently predict lucy that there are going to be other actions of this type before the cat on a on a group basis yeah yeah so okay collective collective cast six or seven perhaps <laughs> indeed all right well thanks very much all for for talking about the um the apple claim very interesting indeed thanks lucy thanks lucy